you standing next to you are your family. And to me, there's nothing more important. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. All right, welcome to episode nine of Meet Us at Molly's. I am Gina, I'm one of your co-hosts. I'm back from vacation, which I am so happy to be because I missed everybody so very much. I am here with my co-host, Bryna. Gina, we missed you so much. Don't ever leave us again for that long. I'm sorry, I won't. I was up in Canada. It was really fun and cold and yeah, but it's really good to be back. It's definitely really good to be back. Um, Ashley is unable to join us this week, um, not to go into too much detail, but if you guys could keep her family in your thoughts and prayers, that would be really, really good. We would appreciate that. She's got some stuff going on, but she's hoping to rejoin us at the end of the week. So tonight will we, or tonight we will be covering episode, or season five, episode three? Episode three, right? Yep. Episode Haven't even had my full glass of wine yet. <laughs> season five, episode three of Chicago PD called Promise. So... As always, before we jump into the episode, we're going to jump right into the news. So there were a couple little articles that dropped this week. Um, there was a TV Guide article about Berzik, and I think the most noteworthy thing there was that Marina said that she doesn't feel like Burgess is ready to jump back into a relationship with Ruzik just yet. I say you lie, but that's just <laughs> me. Bryna, how did you feel about that? I mean... I'm kind of in between. Like, I want Bursa to get back together, and I think it will happen, and I think it'll happen kind of in the middle of the season. But I kind of agree with Marina. I mean, I don't think they're completely ready. Like, I don't think if it were to happen in episode four, I'd be like, whoa, 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 like, that's too soon. So I think they need a little bit more time, but I agree that it needs to happen sooner than Marina's making it seem it's going to happen. This was also the article, keep in mind, this is the one that popped up on Twitter this week. And the first line was, is Berzik done for good? And so I know I saw <laughs> yeah. this and I was like, excuse you, TV guide. No, that's not okay. Right. So yeah. I think the headline kind of set yeah, everybody the headline, off. But... The headline was definitely misleading. I mean, that makes it seem like, you know... Rick Eads decided that they're never, ever, ever, ever getting back together. And, I, like, when I saw that headline, I was like, wait, what? And I immediately clicked on it. And then I read the article, and I was like, oh, okay. That's not really anything completely new that we haven't heard already. So I was like, oh, like, they'll be fine. I'm going to knock on some wood now that you put it out into the uh, the universe that Rick Eyed might, like, put the kibosh on Berzik. So I'm just going to knock on wood so that does not yeah, happen. knocking on wood right now reverse the fortune there so another piece of news we got we got another tv guide article about burgess and her newfound rage quote unquote uh tv guide is loving them some burgess this week but i can't blame them i love burgess all the time so i think it was just about burgess and her motivations this season and how she's really career driven and things like that i don't think there was anything too noteworthy in there i think uh tv guide had kind of gotten all that out of their system when they tried to call burzik over for good but that's just me. Um, Bryda, why don't you go ahead and talk about the next article? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Hollywood Reporter had an article, um, and they dropped an exclusive that um, Scott Bryce, who was once unpopular, is going to guest star this season as an Illinois congressman who's friendly with Voight. I mean, I, I don't really know how – I mean, I still – I think that's a little weird. Voight's been, I think, the most surprising thing about season five. I don't really know how I feel about him. I used to like the fact that Voight 
I mean, yes, I didn't always agree with him, you know, in the way he went about handling the intelligence unit, but he's been, like, weirdly just kind of like, whatever happens, happens, and, like, you know, I don't really know how I feel about it, so I don't know how I feel about him, like, being all friendly with a congressman and, you know, kind of just going with the flow and, you know, whatever a congressman says goes. Like, I don't know how I feel about that. Gina, I know you had a lot of thoughts about it when you said, when this was sent in our group text. Slightly. I mean, you don't usually hear about Voight being friendly with politicians. So that struck me a little odd and also led me to think if Voight is friends with this guy, he's got to be a little shady. And that's not to say anything bad about Voight. That's just how Voight rolls. Right. So I think it'll be, I don't know, it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. Did you ever watch Popular, Bryna? I didn't. I did not. I don't know anything about Scott Bryce, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I'm going to go dig up that show on probably Hulu or something and see uh, what it had, because I know early 90s TV is a lot of fun to go back and rewatch. But anyway, so something else that we got, we got the... Episode description for Chicago Fire season six, episode six. Um, there were some interesting little points in there. Apparently, kid gets transferred out of the firehouse. What? What? That was my first reaction. Like, why? I mean, obviously, it's according to the description. She, I guess, in five or in six in the beginning, depending. I don't know. But she's her apparently saves a mother and a newborn baby from a rooftop fire, and then somehow that goes and gets her kicked out of the firehouse. Okay, sure. Can we, like, not be so mean to Stella in season six? Right. I'm not, not, not cool. Don't transfer her out of the firehouse. That's not nice. Yeah. That's not nice. But I will say, according to the description, it, Severide and Casey kind of believe something's off about this whole situation, and it prompts them to kind of investigate things. And we've gotten a lot of that this season, and if we're going to keep getting more of it, I'm a big fan of Severide and Casey being all, like, team buddy cop over here and, like, let's go look into shit. So I'm all for more of this. Absolutely. I'm I'm all for it as well because Severide and Casey are just the best. So all for that. So, yeah, that's another point in the episode. Um, Otis and Herman discuss the possibilities of expanding Molly's. They find a rundown bar and they talk about maybe taking it over. I don't know how I feel about expanding Molly's now that I think about it because... You know, okay, it's Molly's. They've tried this once before with Molly's 2 and like the food cart or food truck thing. And it went over horribly. So I can only imagine that this is going to be kind of the same way. I don't think it'll actually turn into something, but who knows? Right. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Uh, another thing in there was that Dawson's frustration with Ramon is going to reach a boiling point. So not only does Ramon come back, but... Gabby's arguing with him again. Another interesting thing to note here is that this is the winter finale. Yeah. So yeah. 606 airs and then there's no more <coughs> fire until January. So I'm sure it's going to leave off with some sort of awful cliffhanger that's going to drive us crazy for months because we didn't suffer enough over the summer hiatus. Right. Let's suffer a little bit more. Yeah. No, but it sounds like it's going to be a good episode. So I'm excited. Yeah, it sounds like it'll be pretty good. Hopefully the cliffhanger is not that dramatic. We're still not over the factory fire. Nope, we'll you know. never be over the factory fire. Never, never, never. Blech. 
The last piece of news we had, we got a little bit of a surprise this week. Chicago Med announced their return date. They are coming back on November 21st. So yay for them. Whoa, excited to so see everybody exciting. back in action. Yeah. yeah especially because we thought it was going to be so much longer. Like we thought it could be, it was going to be like end of January, maybe even February, you know, because it was supposed to be a mid-season, come in back in mid-season. Um, so I'm excited. Uh, yeah. Do we know if they're going to have, like, all, like, presumably 20 or 22 episodes that they said anything? Do we know that yet? As far as I know, it is a full season. I remember somebody had asked Derek about it, and he said that it was a full season. So it will be a full 22 or 24. It's just going to start in November and not January like we originally thought. So that's great. Yeah, that's exciting because that means we're not going to have any presumably big breaks between episodes. So that'll be really nice. Presumably. Fingers Presumably. crossed. I mean, yeah. I'm sure we'll have some breaks, but if it is, it's probably going to be like two weeks, three max. Like, they don't have enough time for them to be like, oh, we're just going to take like a month off here. Like, they don't really have the time for that. True, true. So we will be covering Chicago Med in its entirety. We just haven't quite decided on exactly how. I think what we're what we're thinking is that we'll we'll just discuss Med and PD in one episode and then fire in another. But again, we're still working that out. But we will be covering it in its entirety. So we're really excited that it'll it's coming back sooner than later. Yeah, for sure. So Without further ado, we will jump into this week's episode. Again, season five, episode three was called Promise. This was an Antonio episode, a very, very heavy Antonio episode. The first Antonio episode in forever because Homeboy's been on justice all this time. <laughs> so happy to see him back. So happy to see him as the main focus in an episode. Just happy all around. Yeah. So the sure. episode starts and... He is with his daughter, Eva, and Eva's back. I love when we see the Dawson children. They're so cute. So Eva's back. Eva's 17 now, which is crazy because I remember when Diego was kidnapped and she was like 12. So she's coming to live with Antonio. And so basically they're walking down the street and Antonio is giving her this whole speech that if she's going to come live with him, she has to be self-sufficient because he works long hours and all this crazy stuff. So in the same conversation, he's talking about how she needs to be self-sufficient. But then he also mentions that this is a really big year for her coming up because she has college admissions essays coming. So Eva mentions that her counselor thinks that she should write about being Latina. But Eva says it's BS because she hasn't had that many obstacles. And this is odd because Antonio goes from zero to 60 really fast. And so Eva's like, why are you so mad, as are the rest of us? And he's like, I'm not mad, but he really is. Something was really weird here. Bryna, what did you think? Yeah, something, I totally agree. I think something seems super off here, and I think it's because, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but I think part of the reason why it seems so off is that we've never gotten to know Antonio really, really his backstory. I mean, we know, obviously, that he's married, or he was married, and that, you know, He's related to Gabby, and we've seen his family a little bit here and there. But in terms of, like, Antonio before intelligence, we don't really know anything about him and who he was as a person. And so we don't know whether Antonio himself faced, you know, conse not consequences, but obstacles as a result of being Latino. And we don't know anything like that. So I think had we known a little bit more about Antonio, I think it would have been more it would have been easier to sympathize with him about where he's coming from, but it just seems so out of left field because we don't know anything about Antonio. Yeah, I, I noticed that as well. And I something that we something that we both wrote down in our notes leading up to this episode was that you know we would have we would have benefited quite a bit from some context. 
Um, and we get that context. It's just that we kind of had to piece the we had to put the puzzle pieces together ourselves. So that's something a little odd that happens in the episode. But they're having this conversation, and then Antonio's phone buzzes, and they pick up a case. And so he's basically starting off the episode. He's like, "All right, Eva, you need to be self sufficient. However, this is a really big year for you. You've never done this before, but you have to handle it by yourself." OPS, we can't go to the movie because I just caught a case. Really, I, I caught this as weird because, you know, in the early seasons of Fire, in the early seasons of PD, Gabby is touting Antonio and Laura as such a strong relationship and Antonio is such a good dad. And then in one fell swoop here, we kind of paint Antonio as a shitty father. I'm like, hey, now, that's not how it works. That's not how it's ever been. Antonio's a good dad. This is not right. it's in almost, line with that. It's almost as like they kind of made it seem that like as soon as he broke up with Laura and the kids moved away and all this stuff happened that like, he just went right back to being this like bachelor kind of guy. And like that almost his role as a father and a once husband, like that never happened. And it was just like, no, Antonio was a great father. He was, I mean, obviously his relationship had issues, but he was a good husband in that moment. And that, you know, you can't just forget that. And I, like, I agree. I mean, it seemed that like just in one scene, we undid all of that. Yeah, it just struck me as odd. And if she's moving in with Antonio because she hates Laura and she hates her new boyfriend, who's going to be there for her? Who's going to help her? So that's a little odd that, you know, she's coming to move in with her dad because she hates Laura and her new boyfriend, but he's like, you're on your own. What? That's not how this works. That's not how Antonio has ever rolled, but okay. So uh, this was an episode as well that we were able to break down kind of by storyline, not necessarily chronologically. So that was good. Um, so later on, you know, with the whole storyline with the daughter, Burgess and Antonio are in the car and Voight has officially paired them up now. Yay. So happy yeah, about off that. Of, off of that real quick, though, I think, you know, Ashley and I talked a little bit about this last week, how this episode was originally supposed to be the second episode of the season and not the Burgess episode. And I think that was the only thing. That was the only place where I noticed it was odd was, you know, when he when Voight pairs them up, he's like, oh, OK, like you guys are working together this season. Like, well, we saw them work together last week. It was just like a weird like that was the only moment where I noticed the switch like affected the storylines. Like it was just that in that one moment. I was just like, oh, this is obviously clearly they worked together last week. But that was also, I think something fans, if you're just kind of a casual tune in viewer, you wouldn't have noticed it. But as someone obviously we dissected every week. That was something that stuck out to me is like that episode switch not working. Yeah, good catch there too, because in my mind, I mean, I remembered hearing that they had switched episodes, but in my mind, I was like, okay, they just happened to pair up last week and now Voight's just making it official. But I do remember hearing about that. Yeah, so that's a good catch. And it's like last season when they switched up the episodes with Mouse. He's just kind of there one week and not there the next. And you're just like, um, somebody's yeah. missing. Right, yeah. So. And it was, like I said, it wasn't something that, like, if you just casually tune in every week, you probably wouldn't have noticed it. But as someone who's, like, actually invested in all this stuff, you, I noticed it. Yeah, yeah. So Burgess and Antonio officially partners now. They're sitting in the car, and Burgess is trying to, you know, be compassionate with Antonio. And they have a really funny exchange where she's like, I was a nightmare at 17. And Antonio goes, yeah, I find that hard to believe. And Burgess goes, I was. I, I was a rebel. Which is hilarious because we know Burgess was probably not that bad. You know, can definitely piece that together in our heads. And Burgess was probably just a really good, like, studying teenager the whole time. It just, I got a laugh out of that. I thought it was funny, but it also made me think, 
kind of along the lines of Antonio, why don't we know any about anything about really Burgess's backstory yet? And I think that's something we've started to see glimpses of in these first couple episodes. But like, again, we don't really know anything about Burgess beyond the fact that like she has a sister and a niece and like, you know, we don't really know anything. And I think these little moments here and there where they kind of drop these, whether they're jokes or not, these kind of fake hints about their backstories, it kind of just made me realize, I mean, we've been in this for five seasons now, like basically beyond Voight and then Lindsay and Jay, like we don't really know anything about anybody. Right. We don't. So hopefully, and they've been doing a good job of that this season though, like helping us kind of delve in. So I think they're doing a good job so far and we're only three episodes in. So, you know, there's probably more to come. So, but I thought that was so funny because there's no way Burgess was a rebel. I call BS on that. (laughs) Because yeah, sure. Burgess, love her. So basically, the case kind of fills in the rest of this storyline with Antonio and Eva. But basically, the episode ends with Eva reading Antonio her admissions essay. And this is where we get a little bit of context. But again, this is context I would have preferred coming from Antonio. Basically, Eva kind of fills us in that, you know, Mama Dawson, she immigrated from the Dominican. I'm going to sneeze. I'm going to sneeze. <coughs> There we go. So thanks. Um, Yeah, Mama Dawson, she immigrated to the U.S. from the Dominican alone, no education, no money, nothing like that. And she made her way. And so the episode ends with Eva just saying, you know, I was her dream. So that's a little context as to why Antonio kind of flies off the handle in this episode. And he doesn't really fly off the handle. He just gets really worked up. It's just it's odd. Yeah. But we get a little context there. So it was a nice moment, though. I really like the way that that ended. I thought that was a really good moment. But I agree that I wish we had gotten that context from Antonio. Absolutely. I did think I, I was kind of put off when he came home and like he comes home, he gets the pizza and then he's like, I'm going to bed. I'm like, Antonio, stop it. Be a good dad. Ah. Yeah. But yeah, it did end very well. It was a good like full circle and. Eva finally kind of saw the light, so that was good. So um, the case itself, though, this was a pretty straightforward episode. There weren't a ton of other storylines working in. It was pretty much just Antonio and Eva and the case, which was good. But this case was kind of a doozy. So Antonio gets buzzed that, you know, they picked up a case. They go to this case, and it's a young Latina woman, and she's dead, and she's got a huge gash across her stomach. Huge. Crazy. So Homicide calls intelligence in for the smuggling aspect, and after Antonio tells Eva to stay in the car, Eva does the complete opposite and sees the crime scene and is all grossed out. So Homicide calls intelligence for the smuggling aspect of the case, and then Eva sees against Antonio's wishes, and Eva's kind of freaking out because she's like, the homicide guy called this garbage, what the hell's going on? And Antonio's like, no, that's not what he meant. These cases are really hard to solve. And so Eva looks at Antonio and she's like, you just told me that we should be helping other Latinos out. And it's after she says that, that Antonio decides to just take the whole case from homicide at her urging. So Antonio takes it and all signs point to this girl being a drug mule. And it turns out that she's not. Burgess talks to this girl. They, They basically stake out this smuggler and this girl that they're using as a drug mule, a drug mule. They stake out and they... That is, they apprehend the guy. And so Burgess talks to the girl with some help from Gabby. And they find out that the, the woman they found dead, she's too old to be a mule. So, of course, I love seeing Burgess and Gabby work together. Love it. Um, the only thing here is that, you know, Marina is fluent in Spanish. 
This is something we've known for a while. When are we ever going to get to see her talk Spanish? Like, totally want to see that on display. Um, and it just kind of seems like when you have Gabby interpreting for you, we're never going to see that because that implies that Burgess doesn't speak Spanish. But small detail, small tidbit. But, you know. <laughs> We would like to see Marina speak Spanish on the show at some point. Yeah, no, for sure. I didn't even know that until you were tweeting about it from the Mita Somalis account. I was like, oh, really? Like, that's so cool. And I wish, like you said, yeah, I wish we had gotten to see that. Yeah, it would be cool. I, I actually got to interview Marina last year for Talk Nerdy with us. We'll post the link at some point. And she had mentioned that. She was like, yeah, I'm fluent in Spanish. I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> casual, casual. Oh, fun fact. I'm a badass and speak multiple languages. So hopefully we'll get to see that at some point. That would be nice. But uh, Voight and Jay, they talk to the trafficker. And basically we find out from that conversation that she's the the girl or the, the girl they found is not a drug mule because you wouldn't slice the girls across the stomach. You would slice down. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Like little great. Okay. Now I'm going to pay attention to that. Every episode we have a drug mule and see if that is true. Yeah. Cross that one off. Oh yeah. my gosh. So then Upton founds out that the girl was raped and murdered and then cut open to look like a drug mule. Again, we're like 10 minutes into the episode at this point, and we're just like flowing with good details. So Burgess and Atwater, they find bloody clothes in an alley, and they go to chase it down. Something interesting that I noted here was Burgess had run into another cop named Garcia, and it's a different Garcia from the one we know, because there is a minor character that... That goes by Garcia. And Garcia mentioned something to Burgess about seeing her at Toma's memorial. And they kind of touch on it. And it made me wonder if they're going to revisit it. Because if we look at that episode, the guy killed himself right in front of Burgess. That's not something you just forget about in the span of an episode. Yeah, no, for sure. I miss that. And now I really want to go rewatch that part because I miss that. I, I didn't catch that at all. But yeah, and I think Ashley and I talked a lot about it last week or in last the last episode where we discussed last week's PD. Um, and yeah, I don't, Burgess, this is clearly going to affect her. That's like you said, that's not something you get over right away. And I really hope if they preach continuity that they will continue that and follow that through again at some point. Because if they just yeah. gloss over it, and I mean, I hope, like you said, the fact that they brought it up in this week's episode, but wait. If these were originally supposed to be switched, how does that work? What I'm guessing here is that they filmed that scene. Like, they probably had to refilm it or something. I don't know if you remember, but they, um, there was, before one of the SVU crossovers, Sophia and John Seda had to film an extra tidbit of a scene, maybe like a couple days before the crossover aired to fill in a gap. So I'm guessing really? that's, that might have been what had happened. Huh. But we could be guessing about that forever. Who knows? Interesting. But yeah, for continuity's sake, I hope they do follow up on that again. But interesting. Yeah, I just noticed that they mentioned that. And I was like, don't tease us with that because the guy killed herself in front of her. That's something that you like traumatizes you, presumably. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I was hoping they'd go back to that. Anyway, so uh, and another thing was that he had said something about dump jumping in dumpsters and Burgess had said something about like, I warned you about the rookie life. I'm like, Burgess, were you like training people in the hiatus or something? Where right, are like, we? Why haven't yeah. you seen that? Why don't we? Why are we not discussing this? Right. I want to know what Burgess has been up to and, you know, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> so they find bloody clothes in the alley and they find an ID for a Gloria Morales in this dumpster. Um, they go to the apartment and at the apartment, this is where they find her son. And her son's like maybe five. He's like precious, just adorable, hiding in this closet. Um, something that 
Melanie, who she guest hosted for us one week on the show, I watched this with her the other night, and she just said, she's like, why didn't the landlord just casually warn them about the sun? And I was like, that's a good point. I don't really know. You would think she would have said that. Oh, by the way, she has a kid, but side note. So yeah, they find the son, they take him back to the district and he won't talk to Platt. Platt's being so gentle with him and so wonderful. And Platt's finally like, why won't you talk to me? And he just looks at her with these big old eyes and he just says, my mom never, or my mom told me never to talk to the police. So heartbreaking. And yeah, he was Platt's adorable. just kind of, so cute, so cute. And so Platt's just kind of like, oh, gotcha. Okay. Ugh, cute kid. So we find out that Gloria came from Guatemala and she worked in a meatpacking plant. So they find the meatpacking plant and they're trying to get more details out of the employees. But the employees in the neighborhood, they're afraid to talk to the cops for fear of being deported. They're afraid of it. And so they don't really get much. So Finally, the owner of this meatpacking plant, he surfaces, and he is played by Skip Suddeth, who was on Third Watch in the late 90s. If you haven't seen Third Watch, it is such a good show. It's also kind of like the OG Chicago before Chicago was a thing. It was like Medfire and PD tied into one show. So good. I could go on about it forever. Anyway, so we, we meet the owner, and he's kind of a dick. And so Antonio's trying to talk to him, and... He mentions that, you know, immigrants make it in America by doing the worst jobs for the worst pay, but they're also thrilled to have the work. And Antonio gets pissed. So he's like, oh, that's, you know, whatever helps you sleep at night, blah, 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 whatever. And it just kind of, again, this is where context really would have helped us because we don't find out the detail about Mama Dawson until the very end of the episode. This is midway through. So at this point, we're like, all right, Antonio, why are you so angry? Tell us why you're so angry. Little context would have helped. But yeah, so all we know are that Gabby and Antonio, they're Dominican, but and we know that Ramon is kind of a jerk, but we don't really know much about the rest of the Dawson family. So that's why a little bit of backstory would have helped us a lot. So finally, Burgess finds Gloria's sister, Lucia, and tells her that she's been murdered. But Lucia's afraid to help because she wants to be able to stay with Oscar and take care of him. So Burgess offers to take her to the district and find out about Oscar. And this is where Antonio starts to kind of Antonio out. So Lucy is upset and Antonio looks at her and goes, I will protect you. I promise. I promise oh never God. ends well. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I know, I know, especially coming from Antonio, I know he means it. Like, I know he really wants to believe that he wants to protect her and he promises to do everything that he can. But you should never use the words, I promise. Like, it's just going to end so badly. And it does. It always takes me back to like season one of Grey's Anatomy when George tells a patient's family, I promise. And oh then my the patient God. dies. Yes. Yes. That is a perfect example of Grey's Anatomy. Every time you say, I promise, that person dies. The moral of the story here is don't be like George. Yep. Don't be like <sighs> George. Don't be like George. He went out like a hero, though, but, you know, whatever. That's a different so, conversation when we have off time. We will be talking about favorite TV shows, and we can talk yeah, about we'll discuss. Yeah, we'll discuss other shows we watch at a, at a later point. Once we're in hiatus, we'll be talking about that. Anyway, so <laughs> got off track. So we find out that Gloria had something going on with the owner's son. 
And so they're pretty much, they're starting to get onto the meatpacking plant. And right when they're about to kind of get some more backstory, more detail, they're about to talk to Lucia, they find out that the owner called ICE and Lucia gets deported. Ah! Of course. So Antonio, of course, is pissed. What were you going to say? I just said, yeah, of course that happens. Because of course the owner calls ICE and deports all his workers. So bad. So they end up talking to Oscar, and Oscar tips them off to one of the owner's drivers who had come to pick up Lucia the night she was killed. So basically he describes this van with a cow on it, and Ruzik and Atwater track it down. They locate this van just in time for it to be lit on fire and explode. But the best part here is that when they get out of the car to see this van explode, Ruzik does this like NCIS move with his sunglasses where like he says something smart and then he takes them off or something. <laughs> you know, Ruzik just, you know, Ruzik is Ruzik, but the CPD Twitter account had a field day with this. So they gave us a gif of him taking the sunglasses off and then they gave us a gif of him putting them back on and just Ruzik being Ruzik. It was fantastic. It's it was just so great. So great. Such a, just, just such a rusic thing to do, but you know, it was it was an enjoyable moment. So for sure. The van explodes and Voight and <coughs> Upton, or not Voight, Voight sends Upton and Jay to the morgue to find other women that were killed in a similar manner. So they find a woman named Monica who was killed in the same way, and they find her subway pass. So they track it down and they find her brother and her aunt. And the brother and aunt describe this driver, the same driver that Oscar described. They describe him almost exactly. So Burgess and Voight are in Voight's office, and they're talking to state's attorney Cott. Hi, Chris. Hi, Yay, we got to see you. (laughs) Um, And so Cott is in there, and he basically tells Burgess, there's no evidence here. We don't have enough for this Lopez guy. So the whole case hinges on Oscar making a positive ID. So this is where it gets kind of crazy because the whole case hinges on Oscar making a positive ID. And at this point, we get into kind of the Voight and Antonio dynamic because things get crazy here. So, yeah, I'm trying to think of how to, like, not break the continuity here of what we're talking about. So basically, the lineup, the lineup or the case hinges on the lineup. And so Voight kind of finds a way to void it up here. And he tells Antonio exactly where in the lineup that Lopez will be. And I kind of want to circle around and talk about the whole Voight and Antonio issue before we get to that point. Does that make sense? Or should we just... Yeah, no, I think, I think that makes sense. Okay. So this kind of segues into the whole Voight and Antonio dynamic here. And it's a weird one in this episode because we've seen Voight and Antonio and we know how they roll and we know they butt heads, but they've never really butted heads like this. No, not at yeah, all. Yeah, it was a little out of the ordinary and it took... I don't know. It took a little adjusting for me. So when we start the episode, as we said, Antonio takes the case from Homicide. Voight in the bullpen, he's like, okay, well, why did Homicide pass this case to us? And Antonio just casually is like, I said we'd take it. Totally awkward pause. Yeah, it's like you could touch the tension in that moment. It was just, it was so weird. I I don't know. This whole dynamic is like, like you said, it's odd. It's weird. It's I don't even know how to describe it. We're about yeah. to try. It's, it is odd. And I mean, you know, it's not too far off from how they usually roll, but it is. Like something's not right about it this episode. It's a little odd. But anyway, 
So the whole episode, Antonio is going further down this rabbit hole of trying to investigate this case and trying to find justice. And usually Voight's there to kind of reel him in and pull him back and say, hey, get it together. But instead, Voight just kind of watches him go down this hole and he just kind of sits back with his arms folded like, okay, you wanted it, so go ahead. Again, weird. So after Ice raids the meatpacking plant, Antonio goes to Voight. And Antonio is basically like, you know, Ice raided, this is witness tampering, it's wrong, it's surprising. And Voight's just like, it's not that surprising, bro. And... It's, yeah, it's just, it's just odd to hear these things come out of Voight's mouth because he's being really flippant about the whole thing. And so this is a point we get to in the episode where we discuss a hot button issue again and we basically hear both sides of the issue, which I love. I love that they're doing this. So Voight comes out with this line and Voight's like, whatever side of this thing you're on, these people are here illegally. And... So Antonio doesn't take it very well. And Antonio points out that Chicago is a sanctuary city. And he points that out and says the cops aren't allowed to ask about immigration status in Chicago. And then Voight says, it makes perfect sense to me. He's trying to protect his son. Which, when you bring sons into the equation with Voight, it's kind of a checkmate. So, yeah, I was just kind of, sorry, Antonio, just checkmate. Anyway, so... Antonio is really frustrated and he's like, what the hell are we supposed to do? Just let this guy walk. And Voight says, I'll see what I can do. So Voight is kind of standing to the side, but at the same time, he's trying to help Antonio a little bit, just a little bit. So Antonio, or Voight says, I'll see what I can do. But then we cut to the next scene and Voight walks in the bullpen and he's like, Lucy is on the way back to Guatemala. And Antonio's like, what? Like, what the hell just happened? Turns out she was deported once and then she came back, which is an automatic felony. But he pretty much just throws his arms in the air and just goes, I tried. Which yeah. had yeah, which had us looking at the screen like, Voight, what is wrong with you? Yeah, it's almost like Voight had one of those like zero fucks given moments and it's just like, it doesn't affect me, so like, why do I care? But like I think the best thing, like as you've been sitting here talking about this, I think the best the best way I can this Scribe Voight in all these moments is he just seems really passive like he just kind of seems to like whatever's happening around him is happening around him and like he's kind of you know if it is gonna affect me then I might deal with something about it but like if it's not really gonna affect me then like I don't really care and I wonder there's something something's got to be going on with him and I'm really curious to see if at any point in these next couple episodes we get a little bit more of a Voight storyline because we're so used to that and we haven't gotten that this season that like we have no idea what's going on in his head. Right. So I, I don't know. I think once we get a little bit more of a glimpse to that, maybe all these past episodes will have made more sense about where Voight's at. But until we get that, Voight just seems like up, drop the mic, like zero fucks given. And I don't know what's going on. For real, it's weird. And so, you know, after he says, I tried, he drops another doozy of a line, which I think pissed off everybody in the fandom. So he looks at Antonio and he goes, next time you grab a case from Homicide, make sure it's one we can solve. What the hell's your problem, Voight? What, the what is fuck? your deal? What yeah. the fuck? He's being so casual about this entire case when he knows it's bothering Antonio, but it's kind of like he's throwing it in Antonio's face. Which is just so hypocritical. I don't understand. So everyone in intelligence has had a case or 10 that have struck nerves, Voight included. So 
why is it okay for Voight to stick a guy's face on a burner after his son is shot, but it's not okay for Antonio to get a little worked up about this case? It, like you said, it's hypocritical. I mean, there's it's, nothing, it's nothing more to say about that than it's hypocritical. Yeah, and it goes back to what you were saying. He has no connection to this case, and that is why he's being so flippant about it. Which, I mean, I guess kind of circles back to one of the bigger problems in our country that, you know, people think that certain issues are not issues because it doesn't affect them. Yeah, that's an inter- that's a great, <clears throat> sorry, that's a great connection, though. I mean, the fact that you can tie that back, void back into the real world of, yeah, it, people don't make issues about things until it affects them, which is so true. It annoys me, but, but it's true. Exactly. And, but this should bother Voight because it happened in his city. Right. Where is he all the other times that things don't really affect them because it's, you know, a different group of people or, you know, even a different gender or whatever, but he still takes offense because it happened in Chicago. And he always says, you know, what happens in Chicago is like basically offending him every single time. Where is his reaction? Where is that reaction in this case? Yeah. Yeah. And so... Voight and Antonio, they interrogate this Lopez guy, and Lopez starts spouting off on a whole, like, anti-immigration rant when he was born in Mexico. So he spews off about this whole rant. He talks about how he came over the right way. Antonio is flipping out. I'm guessing Mama Dawson had to fight her way into the country. I'm guessing she must have had to escape really terrible conditions in the Dominican, but we could speculate forever. Yep. Again, this is context we kind of had to put together ourselves. It would have helped if, you know, we got the whole story from Antonio. But, uh, yeah, Lopez goes on an anti-immigrant rant. Antonio goes off. Antonio basically, like, he goes to kind of not attack him, but like, he, he approaches the guy. And Voight grabs him and brings him out in the hallway and tells him to slow down. And he, the way he says it is just, again, it's Voight being really weird. Voight just looks at him and it's like, you've got to slow down, bro. And I don't know about you, Brenda, but I took it in this instance as calling him bro is kind of like when you call a woman sweetheart or honey to kind of like minimize her. It really irritated me. I was like, hey, like legitimize Antonio's feelings here. Don't yeah. bring him down a few pegs because he's getting worked up. Voight's lacking some serious empathy in this episode. Oh, yeah, for sure. And like you just said, it seemed it, it sounded like Voight's trying to like push Antonio down, you know bring him back down to where he falls in a rank. And it just, it pissed, Voight really bothered me in this episode. And I think that's something, I mean, I haven't been, I was sick this week, so I, haven't, I wasn't that involved in the Twitter and how that whole thing was. But what did other people think about Voight this week? Gina, did you get to look into the fandom a little bit? I don't know what other people thought about Voight, but I felt like, at least in the recaps and things I did read, I felt like that wasn't made as much of an issue as it should have been. People were mad about Voight saying that to Antonio, but I didn't really see anything too in-depth. I know we received one email this week. It might have been about fire, though. I'm not quite sure. I'm sorry. It's been a crazy week for all of us. I think all of our things were about fire, but that's a great time. I wish people, if you have thoughts about Voight and the whole Antonio dynamic or things, send them to us on Twitter, send them to our email. We'd really like to hear them, especially because, you know, we are only one opinion and Gina and I, we're kind of a lot of times the same person and we have, we do agree on a lot of things. So we'd love to hear people's opinions, especially if they do disagree, because like I said, Gina and I and Ashley for a lot of times, like we just all tend to agree. We just have, that's just how our TV watching habits go. So we'd love to hear people's opinions, especially I'd love to hear people's opinions about the Voight Antonio situation. 
Absolutely. And when we ask for emails, I mean, again, it's not because we're like desperate for responses. It's because, you know, you guys give us a lot of good perspective that sometimes we miss because there's only three of us. So it's only, yeah, it's three pairs of eyes seeing one episode a certain way, but you guys see episodes way differently than we do. So definitely, you know, send us emails. Let us know what you guys thought about Voight and Antonio because we are kind of baffled about it. So as we said before, Cot comes in and Cot tells Burgess that this whole case against Lopez is going to hinge on Oscar making a positive ID. So again, the case hinges on Oscar making a positive ID of Lopez in this lineup. And this is interesting because Voight ends up telling Antonio exactly where Lopez will be in the lineup. And he basically expects Antonio to feed this information to Oscar. It's kind of like Voight's trying to make it up to Antonio for getting Lucia deported. But at the same time, we all know that Antonio does not operate this way. He never has. He never will. Antonio is a by-the-books cop. I found it interesting here that even with, you know, Big Brother watching, as Voight had pointed out to Antonio earlier, that Voight still finds a way to work his Voight ways. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. But... Again, I mean, Antonio doesn't rule that way. He's not going to feed that information to, to Oscar. He's just not. And part of this, I think, is informed by his time at the state's attorney's office because he knows that if it comes out that, you know, they tampered with Oscar this way, the whole case gets thrown out anyway. Yeah. So it's kind of better to go by the book. I found it interesting. So Antonio tells Oscar just to tell the truth and the ID goes to shit. That's so putting it nicely. It is putting it nicely because they get in there and the first thing Oscar does, he's like, hey, it's that guy. It's number one. And Antonio's like, hang on, wait, like, think about it. And the lawyer's like, what are you doing? You're tampering with the witness. Stop it. Then he identifies number three. It's so bad. So Antonio comes out of the room and he's like, yep, that went badly. And Voight's like, no, it was a disaster. This is one of those moments where if this were a cable show, I'm sure Voight would have dropped many expletives. Yeah, he would have been like... What the fuck is wrong? What? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Picture it. Yep. Oh, yeah. And so Voight goes off on Antonio at this moment. And so he's like, we've got no evidence. We've got no this, no that. We had one shot. Only when he says we had one shot, he kind of screams it. And so at first I was really pissed off about this because, again, I was like, what the hell is Voight doing? This makes zero sense. But... It took me watching it for like the second time to kind of piece it together. So Voight says in here, he doesn't pin this on Antonio. He says, we blew it. Not you blew it. We blew it. So he's upset because he wanted to see justice served too, but it didn't happen because they lost as a team. So I get why he's pissed off because he wanted the same thing as Antonio. And so for them not to get it, you know, it, it, hurt, it hurts him too. So I... I I kind of understood there. I just kind of thought Voight's methods were a little odd. But I guess we shouldn't even say that Voight's methods are odd because if we're still saying that after five seasons, you know, what show have we been watching? Right. But that's interesting that you said that because, I mean, I guess I didn't watch the second time as closely as maybe I should have. I didn't read into that. I mean, maybe I just didn't read into it enough, but I didn't read into that at all. I just saw it as, like you said, like, I was pissed off because Voight seemed to be screaming at Antonio yet again. But I guess I didn't pay attention closely enough to what he said. So that's something I want to go back and watch and see if after I watch it again, if I agree. 
But that was interesting that you read it that way because I didn't read that way at all. Yeah, and I think the first time I saw it, I was really pissed off because I, I thought Voight was pinning it on Antonio. And then I was like, well, hang on. Like, he said we. And so I'm glad he didn't pin it on his on Antonio, though. That's basically, you know, it's just the markings of a good team. But Voight still finds a way to void it up. So Voight goes to see the brother of the girl who was killed similarly. And so presumably we don't really see what happens, but you know, Voight's got to tip him off to Lopez because Antonio or Lopez walks. And so Antonio finds out when he delivers the girl's necklace to the aunt, the aunt's like, oh, the cop who came by last night, you know, said this. And Antonio's like, I'm sorry, what? And she's like, yeah, like his name was Hank. And Antonio freaks out. He's like speeding over to Lopez's house. And he has Burgess meet her there. They get to Lopez's house and they find Lopez dead on the kitchen table, killed the exact same way as the girls with a giant gash across his stomach. It was so Ooh. gross. I think that gash is even worse than the one on the, in the very first scene because I was just like, I couldn't even look at it. I was like, this is so gross. So gross. Such an awful way to die. Yeah. Cool. So... Burgess kind of gets in there and Burgess is like, what happened? I'm like, yeah, that's one way to ask about it. You know, this was something I remember there was like a behind the scenes post or picture that I think Marina posted where they were like smiling over this like dummy doll that was like laying on the table. They were like, yay, special effects. So I was like, that's gross, but okay, cool. So I thought that was funny. So yeah, the, the guy was killed the exact same way as the girls. Antonio storms into Voight's office. And this is a good scene because Antonio doesn't say anything. He doesn't say a word. He just looks at Voight with this like, what the fuck face. And Voight looks at Antonio and he goes, you wanted this to happen, whether you're afraid to admit it or not. Which I don't really agree with. Not necessarily. I think... Voight wanted it to happen and that he wanted to see justice served. That's not the way Antonio does things. Yeah. Antonio didn't want to see justice served that way. Antonio wanted to see it served properly. Right. But it just circles back to the whole thing, the, this whole notion that we've known since the series began is that Antonio and Voight have different de definitions of justice. They want the same thing to happen, but they want it in different ways. Yeah. So it was a good way to highlight that this was a really good case to kind of highlight the differences between Antonio and Voight and bring us back to that same dynamic that they have of butting heads but the dynamic has changed a little bit and I don't know if that's just from time going by or if that's you know if they've changed as characters while Antonio was gone what do you think here do you think the dynamic shifted for any sort of reason I don't know if it's for a specific reason but I definitely agree that I kind of want it to get back to this, like, focus on Antonio and Voight having these two different definitions of justice while also working in the same unit. Because it's kind of become clear over, especially now that Lindsay's gone, but it's kind of become clear over these five seasons, or oh, four seasons, now we're in the fifth season, but that it's Voight, and then in terms of, like, leading the unit, Antonio is right there as, like, number two. You know, you would think it maybe would be Al, but... Antonio's right there as number two. And so for these two leaders of this unit to have two conflicting ideas of justice, I think that's such an interesting dynamic. And I wish it would go back to when it continues on in season five. I hope that it goes back to focusing more on this and not just Voight being all like pissy and passive and all these other things that we found weird and kind of 
out of character of Voight. I wish it, I hope it goes back to this focus on their two different definitions of justice because like you said, it's so good. And I mean, it's true. Like you can't have different definitions of justice. Like you don't, you know, not everyone believes in the same thing. And so I think, especially in the police, the world of police and, you know, this unit specifically, I think it w- it's going to be really interesting to see if that continues to play out. Yeah, it was, I thought it was a really good episode. It just took me a rewatch to kind of put that together. So yeah, um, next week we've got an Atwater episode, which is going to be fantastic. The, yeah. Was someone, yeah. Also on Twitter, someone was saying there's, I guess there's like a Ruzik subplot to this episode. I saw that on Twitter somewhere. I don't know if that's true, but if it is, I'm so down for a Ruzwater like centric episode. Like, yes, please. Sign me up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And do, have you seen the promo for 504? Yes. Okay, so there are some interesting things in there. So I think they set up the promo to make it seem like the units kind of turning against each other. But the most noteworthy thing in this promo, Upton, like, shoves Ruzik. Yeah. I Yeah, when I saw the promo, I was like, I'm sorry, did I see that right? Did that actually just happen? And then Twitter was like, yeah, yeah, that was right. So I wonder what's going to happen there. I'm curious about that. But also, just on the side note, I think we've talked about this a little bit, but I would totally be down if they hooked up for an episode. Like a fling? Yeah. Mm. I could see it. I just, yeah, I just, I don't want her to be Jay with Jay. So like, if it's anyone else, like, let's do it. So you want her to hook up with Ruzik so she doesn't hook up with Jay? Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) I don't know how I feel about that because everybody knows that I'm like ride or die Berzik. I mean, I love love me some Berzik, but like if it's just a fling, yeah, I'm still holding on to my hopes of like a stellar Ruzik hookup, like a real drunken, like end of the season, random like fling hookup. Okay, but kind of, I mean, listen to our episode 10 because we're about to record and you'll hear it in, when both of these are released. But I have a lot of feelings about the Stella stuff that we saw in this week's episode. So I don't know if I, how much I believe that would actually happen. As much as I would love to see that happen, I don't know how much it actually will happen. That's true. That's true. And that's a really good segue. So, yeah. Um, if you're just finishing listening to this episode, of course, you definitely want to go on to episode 10 because, as you guys know, we are releasing 9 and 10 on the same day where we are basically about to stop recording and start recording again to talk about <laughs> season 6, episode 3 of Chicago Fire called – what was it called? It was called um, An Even Bigger Surprise cool so as always if you have any thoughts or feelings or you just want to get in contact with us you know send us messages send us tweets send us anything you want meet us at molly's right across social media it's like facebook not snapchat facebook twitter instagram meet us at molly's everywhere um meet us at molly's at gmail.com uh individually on twitter i am gina watches tv bryna i am at bryna k13 and ashley is ashnick095 so Uh, We will see you guys on Thursday for the next episode of PD, unless you are following us to the next episode of Fire, in which case, Friday, sorry, Friday. I I leave for a week and I'm just like, I'm totally off my game, I know. So um, yeah, we will see you guys on Friday, unless you're going to follow us to the next episode of Fire, in which case we will see you guys in like five minutes. So, (laughs) all right, bye.